Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Clinical Scoop. We've got Monica, Chris, we have Dr. Al. We're talking about patient recruiting in clinical research, uh, especially when it comes to minority participation in clinical research, specifically when it comes to African Americans, Hispanic Americans, Asian Americans, and diversity, how to get, how to achieve more diversity in clinical research studies. Chris and I have several projects we're working on. One of them, Chris, uh, entails six different protocols, six different indications. Can you tell them, can you tell us which six they are? And then we will all agree to pick one at random. We have no, we did not prepare for this at all. So we're, the point of this will be not only to discuss patient, um, uh, how to enroll minority participations and how to increase the minority participation in clinical research, but also we're going to analyze a few studies at random to see, okay, if we were thinking of doing this study as a site, what would we consider? Would we consider this study? How would we consider it? And then what would be some ways we can get some minority participations uh, in these studies? So Chris, what are the six? And then we'll discuss patient. Uh, patient First, issues. I have an objection though. I didn't volunteer for anything, mm -hmm. but I guess I, I'm going to be volunteered regardless. So, okay. Yeah. If you come on this show, you know, we can just make people volunteer. <laughs> You're just automatically volunteered. Okay. I got it. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So the um, six indications are lupus, multiple sclerosis, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, schizophrenia, and MDD. So, right. uh, which, which one, one are you one, doing? Which one do you guys want? Don't if I choose, people are gonna think I prepared, and then I have. We're gonna do it I, wild, I, organic. I, I say Alzheimer's. Okay. Well, I'll take schizophrenia. That's the easiest for me. <laughs> well, I guess Doctor <laughs> Al. I guess Doctor Al will decide <laughs> which one. Any, anyone you go with, guys, we we can go. We, we can oh. do, but I think like going for this uh, psychiatric indication will be a little bit more difficult or, yeah. or challenging for us at this point. I think we should do it. Let's do lupus. Patient. Let's do lupus. I think I that would be more appropriate because the patient can consent and everything, but the other one is like you need a consent from uh, a durable power of attorney or from conservator or anybody else. So. Chris. Chris is saying no one lupus. Factor. Well, uh, I don't know what this game is we're playing, but I don't know anything about lupus. So if it's like Neither. trivial pursuit, that's why, I lose. That's why, that's why I chose lupus because I, I know very little about it. So I know, but I, I don't think we're we going to discuss the disease. We're going to discuss how to recruit minority to that. A to little bit, yeah, yeah. Clinical trial. Yeah, well, that would a, be, little bit, that, a little bit will do. That would Let be me... applicable to all six indications, most likely. No, Whatever we discussed. I, it could be, but I think there is more valuable factors for the psychiatric indication where you're going to uh, have uh, conservators interfere in consenting for the patient or durable power of attorney in consenting for the patient. So you don't have the patient himself doing this. So Let's not... do lupus. I'm on clinicaltrust.gov. Well, well, believe it or not, Dr. L., for most schizophrenia studies, they, they, they are consenting themselves. Alzheimer's, that's not the case. But schizophrenia, yeah. most studies, they are. It depends on their condition. Sure. Mm. I'm, I'm not a psychiatrist, but I, 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 I don't know exactly how does it go, Chris. So I'm, I'm looking right now at the lupus uh, 
Chulubu's um, yeah, like foundation screen? of America yeah. to look at the demographics. <laughs> That's Lupus. probably the first thing uh, to do to um, recruit patients, I think. So where do I go? Lupus Foundation? Yeah, I mean, the lupus, lupus uh, demographics. That's what I look for to know what's the, what's the, uh, the age, the gender, the um, um, community that gets more affected okay. for this, the age. Let's see. Let's see here. So I'm on Lupus Foundation. What is lupus? Diagnosis, treatment, impact on daily life. Uh, how would I find those demos? This is actually great that we can just, teach people how to do this. But what I do is uh, what I do is I put lupus and then demographics, and then we'll see okay. what's, what's up there. Are you getting all this, Chris? You got You have to take notes on this. I do. I have okay. a recording. <laughs> I have a recording. So then you get all the facts and the statistics, so that that way we know which group is more affected, what age. Lupus Foundation of America estimates that 1.5 million Americans and at least 5 million people worldwide have a form of lupus. Lupus strikes mostly women of childbearing age. However, men, children, and teenagers develop lupus too. 90% of people living with lupus are women. Oh, see, I didn't know that. I would have no, never known that. we got that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's why we picked the one we don't know, Chris. There's only room to grow. Okay uh okay so let's find more demographics like yeah, go uh, back go yeah back. i want to find demographics like by race uh yeah, so click oh you did click on that link how about yeah. there was a picture yeah. yeah yeah that one can you see i don't yeah, know that's not see. telling us anything lupus patients of color let's see can you see this yep so uh, diagnosis and treatment Lupus, the adventure between the lines. So diagnosed African-Americans, Hispanics, Asians, and Native Americans are diagnosed with lupus two or three times more often than Caucasian. Okay, so no wonder these companies, these drug companies are interested in minority participation in this indication because all they're getting are Caucasians more or less. Because it's the same with Alzheimer's. Uh, when I did the research for Alzheimer's, it's exactly the same situation. Wow. Okay. Okay. So, so now we're on the studies, so we can look at some. So yeah, I don't think that say? would be true for schizophrenia, though. I think schizophrenia yeah. affects everybody equally. I think. Oh, uh, we can mm. look. Yeah, I'm not that for schizophrenia. I'm not sure. Schizophrenia demographics. I learned this trick from Monica. I, I think I think it probably affects the same, but what happened is uh, because there's a stigmatization with the mental health conditions, especially in some communities, then... Wow, it says right here. I see, yeah. I see that. That's amazing. Well, I would have never guessed that. It's most affected by schizophrenia. Latino Americans, but African Americans continue to reflect being most strongly diagnosed with schizophrenia, four times see? more likely than Euro-Americans. So see, racial disparities, yeah. it's exactly yeah. what we're talking about. And three and times on, more for Latino Americans. So exactly, yeah. and then on top of that, there is a, a lot of stigmatization around mental health conditions. So people don't want to to let it uh, let the, uh, people outside their uh, home know much about it. So the way we believe the way this works, if we want more 
minority participants in clinical research, such as Latin Americans, African Americans, Asian Americans, for any of these conditions, we need more of these clinicians uh, of these of these races to to participate in clinical research. If we can't get that, at least we can get the clinicians treating a vast majority of these patients in certain communities, All right? But we think it works better. If you want more African-Americans, guess what? Funny things happen when the PI is African-American and treats African-American patients uh, or the nurse practitioner is African-American. I mean, they tend to have a lot more in common with their own race, right? So there's a stigma from African-Americans uh, from the 40s and, and, through, and it stretched all the way through the, through the 70s. The syphilis experiment um, from Alabama. Tuskegee. And the yeah. same scenario is for the Latin Americans with so many uh, clinical trials that were held there and people was participating without even knowing. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, so they, you know, obviously there's a huge, um, in the African-American community especially, there's a huge uh, skepticism when it comes to clinical research. And I think that really the only way we can, we can get better numbers as far as enrolling is to get more minorities participating in clinical research from the research perspective, so clinicians. Um, same thing with, Lat you know, with, uh, with Latin Americans even though they didn't have the same maltreatment as, as uh, African-Americans did it with research studies, um, but they're underrepresented as well. So that's, that's core to our principle is getting more clinicians in those communities and more people of color who are clinicians to participate in research so that we can have better accrual rates. Uh, and we've seen, Chris and I have seen that happen with our own sites that we have, with, with the site networks, uh, with the people in our site networks. I mean, it just, that's the way it works. And the ph pharma is starting to understand this and they're starting to invest serious money in this because guess what? The FDA, what, what we just saw with lupus, uh, you know, affecting, what was it? Three or four times more African-Americans mm -hmm. and Hispanic Americans than, 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 uh, than whites. So basically, in the studies, if you're getting the majority white participants, the FDA is not even accepting the data anymore from these studies. And so un until the research reflects the real world, um, as far as all the races, the demographics, uh, gender, uh, the FDA said they're not even going, going to be approving drugs. I mean, this is literally what was told to us, Chris and I, several times by some pharma. I also think that people participating in clinical trials in different areas like clinical research coordinators, nurses, or, you know, that have, that are part of these minorities uh, could also ha uh, help with this because what happened is when, when, when you, like, for example, you explain somebody in their own language uh, what is the research about, and if they have a uh, trust, um, and I think part of the trust is also being of the same community, then um, that will also improve, as well as educating the population about it. Because, I mean, 
some people uh, don't have any idea what clinical trials are or they have the completely wrong idea about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And so here's the first study that I'm looking at for lupus, a study to assess the safety and efficacy of Sikunibab. Dr. Al, you know this? Are you familiar? (laughs) There you go. Uh, In alleviating symptoms of discoid lupus, I can't read because my screen is in the way, but... uh, Lupus, Okay, there you go. So let's look at how many sites are doing this. Uh, they, They define it here. Uh, chronic inflammatory skin condition may lead to itch skin. So what, I guess, Dr. Al, what is lupus? Just to make it simple for... Discoid. This is uh, talking about one entity of lupus. Uh, lupus is like an, uh, an, an autoimmune condition that can attack multiple parts of the body. This is like one uh, entity of lupus, an autoimmune condition that's related to lupus can attack the skin and can be in any area of the body from the extremity to the hair. You, you see it mainly in the patient in their hair and they have discoid lupus and it's diagnosed by biopsy mainly for these patients. And uh, treatment so far to my knowledge, I'm, I'm, I'm not a specialist in lupus, but yeah. I, I can get you next time a specialist in lupus and we can interview him. He's one of my friends. Okay. They do yeah. for him. Yeah, they do for him an injection, uh, local injection with steroid around this uh, discoid lupus. Is your friend interested in doing uh, lupus studies? Yeah, yeah, he's doing it with me. Oh, okay, we got group. it. Good. So yeah, let's yeah. definitely get him on um, mm-hmm. next week if we can, and we'll discuss that. This is only sixteen patients, so if you're a site looking to get this study, you're not going to get it. So let's look for another one. This is how we look for studies too. We look, uh, there's probably better ways to filter everything. I'm not really doing it that way. Uh, I should have put industry. Let's do industry, <clears throat> industry sponsored so that we get rid of all the NIH stuff and all the pilot studies. Mm-hmm. Well, so we uh, I would just like to correct that statement right there. NIH studies do often run like a sponsored study mm-hmm. in which they're looking for numerous sites. So if you're a site looking for studies, don't don't uh, dismiss NIH. Really? Yeah. Okay. I've negotiated a few one. of those. I've negotiated a few of those budgets. Okay. Wow. Okay. Syst- systemic lupus erythematosus. Same one as we looked at last time, right? Oh, I actually have two studies for for this that I can tell you the names if you want to look at them. Okay. Studies. They are looking for sites. <laughs> yeah. This one looks like they want 32 participants. Uh, Adult yeah, patients, yeah, auto antibody positive, uh, uh, interventional, twenty five milligram capsule orally of the experimental drug. Uh, primary outcome: incidence of treatment, emergent adverse events, and SAEs measured up to twelve weeks. And then they're looking at so this is an early phase study. Yeah. Uh, clinical diagnosis adequate. This would be a good study, though. Let's see which which of the sites. Um, Asia Therapeutics. So they have one in Dallas. That's the site. Um, Asia Therapeutics, along with Hangzhou Asia Pharmaceutical Research, probably from China. So 
this study, look at all the exclusion, okay? The inclusion is only six points. It's pretty standard for lupus. Looks like they want, and but the exclusion, they're excluding like everything, right? This would be... Because I mean, as you said, this is an early study. So they, they don't want to jeopardize the patient. So the okay. communication, they want to make sure that it is safe for the patient, even at an early stage to be administered for the patient. Okay, let's look at this one then. Let's find another one. Did you find these studies, Monica? Yeah. Here's one with adults. Let's see if this is bigger. This looks bigger because it looks like Eli Lilly. See Eli Lilly? I, I could tell from the... Yeah, that, uh, that one. I have that one. <laughs> okay, this one, they're looking at 280 patients. Mm -hmm. So LY, the drug is a potential first-in-class therapeutic addressing underlying immune system imbalance in people with uh, autoimmune conditions and targets interleukin IL-2 receptor uh, in the body uh, by activating these cells. What do you know about this, Dr. L? IL-2 is like one of the inflammatory markers that uh, been studied very well. And now, they, if you remember a couple of uh, episodes before, we talked about uh, IL-2 and the COVID and the treatment against it. Oh, I yeah. mean, interleukin in general. And uh, so that's what it, is. it can induce more uh, inflammatory response in the body. So they're trying to find an anti-IL-2 to reduce the inflammation in the body. Mm -hmm. In order to stimulate proliferation of inhibitory immune cells known as regulatory T cells. Uh -huh. Okay. Which can so the... this one... Per percentage of participants who achieve a greater or equal four point reduction in the systemic lupus erythema. Uh, this okay. is their scale. Uh, and then they want secondary outcome uh, lupus low disease activity scale. So all the rating scales typical of lupus studies and then pa uh, pharmacokinetics PK concentrations. Inclusion. See, this is a little. It's more simple. Look at the IE criteria is pretty short. Yeah. And exclusion uh, is very short. Exclusion is if they have severe lupus, have active CNS lupus, have a history of cardiovascular, respiratory, hepatic, gastrointestinal, uh, any unstable illness that in the presence, in the opinion of the investigator could constitute an unacceptable risk. And uh, so, yeah, this would be like a relatively simple study to do. There's 106 sites doing this. They have the phone numbers of those sites. Monica, we can call and network with them. <laughs> uh, Chelsea Smith should be first on the list to call uh, with Why? the number. Uh, first one. Should we tell her it's her lucky day? She's the <laughs> Willy, Wonka, Willy Wonka golden ticket. Um, but look, there's a lot here. And uh, every state just about. Well, not every state, but uh, all the big states, looks like. Oklahoma, Texas. So there's a good amount of, of uh, see, the thing with when you're trying to get a study like this, you see the sponsor contact is hidden. And you, look, they have a bunch of sites across, like it's international too. So they have more sites. Mm -hmm. And look at Mexico, they have like six sites there. 
Poland, Puerto Rico, Romania. Hey, Australia. We got to call somebody hey, these people start speaking Romanian right here. <laughs> Christina Pop. We're going to give her a call. Uh, Florine. Yeah, so look, they have countries all over the world doing this study. If I were trying to get this study, um, you see, you can't find the study director. That's just the 1-800 number for Eli Lilly. So I would be networking with sites, um, you know, probably not in California because I'm in California, but I would network with, for example, Connecticut. Uh, I probably wouldn't get anybody from Yale. Uh, but like small clinics like this, see in Florida, I would ignore University of Miami, but I would contact New Horizon Research Center and talk to Lazaro Nunez and say, hey, what's up, man? You know, can we collaborate on getting studies for each other? And this is how you do it. This is networking. I mean, what do you guys have to say about this? Yeah, yeah. that information is really useful for many things. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Even for the CRC Academy, for the PI Academy, for the CRE Academy. So Good let's find know. let's find another study. Good to know, Dan. And see, I mean, <laughs> finding finding the finding the minority participants, you know, it's it's gonna be the the strategies Monica came up with. I mean, getting first, you have to get the clinicians that are in those communities participating in research. Uh, so you were mentioning Monica and one of our academies, we have a lot of international students. What, why is that an advantage, do you think? Because what happened is, like I was mentioning, when you speak with somebody uh, that has the condition in the same language, is is more, I think it creates a rapport faster than when somebody in different languages is explaining to you. And then on top of that, they say, well, if this person uh, works in research and he or she is from my community, it should be, you know, um, uh, you know, it is probably good for my community. Like, what will somebody that is not in my industry, uh, I mean, in, in my, in, from my community, will be working in something that will be detrimental for us? Um, and then additionally, for example, there are communities for this specific, uh, uh, like, a, uh, like a groups for this specific communities that give support and, and, and you can go um, participate in the events and stuff and also the same thing, speaking their same language. Mm -hmm. uh, and they will understand also the same, the needs of this, of your own community. Like, for example, let's say, uh, I don't know, the, the Latin American Association of Women. <laughs> uh, then if I go and give a, a, a presentation in Spanish, and on top of that, I'm a woman, it will create that connection. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I found an extension study here, so we won't look at that. But have you heard of that drug, Dr. Al? Which one? I, I was not able to be moving uh, sorry. the so fast. Bar okay. barisit barisit nib. Nope. Better better you than me. You know I'm good with names, but with <laughs> when it comes to drug names, I just can't do it. I can't do drug names very well. Belimumab. Pregnancy I would pronounce, registry. I would pronounce the uh, the name they gave it for aftermarket. Benolst Benolsta Benolsta. 
Oh yeah, people get paid a lot of money to come up with these commercialized names. Ben Lista. Ben no, no, Lista. no. These, these names is, is, it depends on the group. They classify this medication for group like benidermab. It's that means it's an antibody. Okay, MAB refer for monoclonal antibody, and uh, it depends on where it's coming from. Is it animal? Uh, is it like uh, mm. marine or uh, human or? animal antibody that's how they name it it's not uh, they so have a specific one. naming system for these and un- new medication and everything so it'd be easier to understand yeah what about tofacitinib what is this this is uh, another uh, an inhibitor oh, okay okay some kind of inhibitor for uh, if you click on it most probably will tell you what type of hey there you go that. We learned from Dr. Al, but yeah, but uh, for the generic names, but I was talking about these commercial names like Ben Lista. You know, there's people make, getting paid a lot of money to come up with these names here, like Ben Lista, Seroquel, attractive, attractive your boy. Yeah. Those things don't mean anything, you know, but somebody got paid a lot of money to come up with that name, um, which has always been uh, very surprising to me. The ex- the explanation for the generic drug name is pretty interesting, though. But yeah. not that yeah. not that I would be able to tell anything by looking at a generic drug name. From, yeah, I mean, like it's Seroquel, interesting what you told me, but Seroquel's quetiapine. Yeah, what does quetiap- that mean, though? I don't know. What quetiapine. quetiapine. Yeah, it's quetiapine. could be an inhibitor. Go down a little bit, please. Okay. Well, this is the tofacitinib. Uh, this here. is for children, no? So, no, no, up, up a little bit here. Yep. Uh, brief summary. Pharmacology safety and effective of the TCFA. 18 to 45 with moderately severe active SLE. So, this is only one site. 20 what's participants. A, what's arithmetosis? What's arithmetosis? What's that? This is lupus erythematosus. Yeah, what it's is the that? of the SLE, systemic lupus erythematosus. Yeah, it what's erythematosus? Erythro, that means uh, red. Metosis is uh, related to skin. The okay. patient who have uh, red cheeks here. All right, that's pretty common. Patient. Yes. That's, that's common on lupus, right? Most lupus, yeah, red, yeah. red cheeks. Yeah, they, they, they call it the butterfly sign, butterfly okay. sign, which is okay. like you have here two, two red, uh, redness, especially after exposure to sun for these patients. They're very sensitive to sun. Okay. Here's another one. Thank this you. is a big one. Uh, Obinutuzumab. Uh, I saw Fontana, California on that last one. This is an, an, an antibody to the map. Map that mean antibody medication. Mm-hmm. They, they did not find yet a trade name for it. And intervention, uh, these are all the drugs. So I guess people are going to be randomized to one of these treatments. Or it's a combination. Yeah, that's a lot. Look at that. Intervention, treatment, yeah. phase three. They need 250 patients. One, yeah, two, phase three, three randomized. Four, five, six, seven. Evaluate the safety and efficacy of obinutuzumab in patients with class three or four lupus nephritis. But this is only for lupus nephritis. 
Yeah, what is this? This means the, the, the effect of the lupus, uh, it can cause some damage to the kidney, and that's what they're looking at. So, inclusion, eligibility. Maybe this would be good for uh, the doctor, you know. Who? Uh, the Your one friend. that we're going to interview. Your friend that does lupus studies with you. Dr. L. Yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, Dan and Chris, you sent me a couple of studies for lupus. We applied for them. Yeah, because he yeah. comes once once a week to my office. He sees patient here. Let's so get more. That, it's pretty yeah. simple inclusion exclusion criteria, honestly. It's not a lot. And then look, it's sponsored by Hoffman LaRoche. Not the Hoffman we know, Dr. L, a different one. Uh, <laughs> Hoffman LaRoche. And yeah, Roche, they're huge. And look, they got all these sites. Alabama, Chris, for some reason, likes Fontana. Um, I just noticed it. They have California, Beverly Hills. Yeah. Wallace, San Fran, La Jolla, Stanford. Kaiser. Uh, Kaiser. So Kaiser's doing a lot of research now, by the way. Yeah. Uh, Yale. Emory. This looks like a lot of academic sites mixed with a few private, like Nephrology Research of Michigan, uh, Veteran Affair, a lot of like academic slash institutional stuff, and a few small sites, Premier Health, for example. I don't think they're small, but like private sites. Uh, this would be good to try to get for if you're looking for a study, and they also do international now. I mean, look how many. Monica, where, you're from Colombia. Let's see. Colombia is well represented too. Wow. They get four, four, sti four sites there. You got to be making wow. uh, one was withdrawn. So we don't want to talk to them. We waste our time. But this one's, uh, you know, we can probably figure out how to get this study for Dr. Al's friend if we were to do this, if we wanted to. Hypothetically, this is a light lily. This is the one from a light uh, lily. Hoffman Roche. Oh, okay. Um, I have some uh, contacts in that the pharmaceutical company. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so uh, let me the study, Monica. See? Yeah, let's do it. So I sent it already. I sent it to Claire. <laughs> ah, so I'll Good. talk to Claire. Claire's being busy. So that's basically how we analyze studies, guys. We look at the inclusion and exclusion. We look at how many sites are participating. And then we try to get an educated clinician on to discuss the drug and what they think. Is the, is it safe? Really, the first thing I care about is if I'm doing it at my site, is, uh -huh. is it safe? Um, after that, we look at the complexity of the IE criteria. How many sites are participating? Do I have a chance? And then start networking with them. But how do... Let's end this with uh, improving patient outcomes from the communities in clinical research as far as minority participation and, and diversity in studies. So how do we do this with the, like, let's take lupus for example. I mean, how do we get more minorities to participate in lupus studies? I will, I will use those demographics to obviously try to target them directly and find uh, where these communities concentrated more and, and how to get to them. That's how we, I mean, uh, have developed our marketing strategies uh, by each study. 
And, um, and also, like I was saying, if in a site there is somebody that speaks the same language, or if it's somebody of that specific community, uh, use them to, to communicate with these organizations. Chris, Even in Facebook. Or Dr. Dr. Al. Dr. Al, what no, do you no, think? No, no, no. I, I just want to, and, and I think the minority, they don't participate because the, the, the way that the community in general, they look at them, okay, because they're completely like diverse and they're excluded from a lot of things according to their thinking and according, that's why you can find a lot of participants. And when you're going to go and approach them as a physician who is not from that ethnic or uh, group they will will be really suspicious about it i i saw it here in my clinic when i approached somebody okay you're gonna make me your guinea pig or do something like this and like this so you need to be very careful and how to approach it and how to 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 talk to these uh patient number one number two as monica said the more the physician is from the same ethnic group it's easier to participate and recruit i would agree 100 percent yep and and that's what, what I see when I have somebody who's Spanish talking to them and like this, they're easier to recruit than somebody, mm -hmm. me, talking to them with uh, my accent and everything. I think it's so true. I think it's true the, across the, the board. I think it's true across yep. the board. I mean, uh, Dr. Al, you're Middle Eastern, right? So do you have, like, what does the Middle Eastern community think about clinical research in the United States? And the, have you come across this... Uh, Actually, I don't have a lot of Middle Eastern patients, actually, mm. in my area here in Los Angeles. Most of my patients are uh, white, African-American, or Spanish. Mm. But I do not have, uh, I, maybe I have one or two Middle Eastern patients that really I did not, I did not talk to them even about you, a clinical trial because there is no available trials for them. So outside of your, your patient demographics, just in general, do you know the culture? of Middle Eastern people and in, in participating in research? I, 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 I think they, they, they would like to participate in the medical research, but only the younger generation, not the older generation. Mm. Why, why do you think that's the case? It's the same as uh, any other ethnic group because the older generation still have the impression that Somebody trying to control them. Somebody trying to like do suspicious stuff. On the, suspicious, exactly. So they don't like to do it. I think that's why it's so important to educate the population in general about clinical trials. Have you ever? Because people have a wrong idea. Have you, Doctor L? Have you ever participated as a subject in a study? As a subject in a study. No. Would you? No. Yeah. Would. How about you, Dan? It depends on what. With how, how about you, Dan? Yeah, I have. Uh, I did a virtual trial. Okay, on not my a virtual. An, act, an actual study where you have to go in physically. No, but my wife did, and I was all for it. Yeah. Yeah, it was for like a skin thing. The UC Irvine was doing an experimental um, test on a skin. Uh, not a skin tag, but it's like it's something like a discoloration of a part of the skin. So they were trying a different kind of a treatment on it. Um, and it was free and she said it was good. I mean, it didn't really work, but 
they're still to this day following up, uh, calling her to come in to do yeah, a safety interesting. follow. Yeah. How about you, Monica? I have for allergies. Allergies? Did it work? Yeah. Remember how yeah, I remember it you. was? <laughs> yeah. So you're taking uh, this drug now? Yeah. <laughs> no, I took it for the period of the study. And uh, for some reason, I don't have any more allergy. Well, <laughs> so it worked. Yeah. I I, you, now that you bring that up, I do recall you sneezing a lot. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I, don't, I don't recall any time in the last year you sneezing. Yeah. She doesn't really sneeze anymore. That's true. Yep, and then I've I've participated too in studies. So oh, you have, yeah. Talk about your What's experiences. Well, okay, so not directly, but I can. So I was a single parent for quite some time um, in my younger years, and uh, I put both my children in a study. So I'm a type one diabetic, and there was a study on whether or not they could genetically um, predict whether my children would have diabetes, type one diabetes. So I put them in that oh. study. Mm, that's great. So we all have some experience with it. Uh, yep. This is a not an easy issue. I mean, it's you know, like like Dr. Al, Chris, and Monica, and myself all seem to say the same thing. We need more clinicians of different races participating in research. Like, if you want more African Americans in your studies, get more African Americans PIs or at least sub eyes exactly participating. Excellent. Same thing with Latin or Asian, no matter what, you know, Middle Eastern. Excellent. Uh, this is a big point is like to get uh, a PI wants to participate and, and, uh, and wants their patient to participate and benefit from the clinical trial and the studies that hmm. comes out. Now, a yep. physician like you, Dr. Al, <clears throat> so you've been in your community practicing for, I don't know, I mean, a long time, right? In your community. Mm -hmm. So patients have already gotten to trust you now over the years. Are you able to recruit more minorities because you've established a trust in the community? And my patient, my, my, my patient, yeah, I recruit my patient like any, any, any ethnic group. Okay, I've been treating them for a while. And, you know, they trust me and like this, that uh, Spanish, African-American or white, they, they trust me and I've been recruiting them for different type of uh, oncology clinical trials. I would, I, would also, I would also think it has something to do with bedside manner as well, because I'm sure you have a great bedside manner. You're very personable and friendly, but somebody who's more just kind of cold and, and distant mm -hmm. as a physician, I think it's gonna have a much harder time recruiting anybody, regardless of, of ethnic background for a research trial. Yeah, I think that goes on all the, all the um, positions or careers in, in research. Mm -hmm. <laughs> when, like Dan was uh, mentioning the other day, uh, soft skills, yep. very important. Yep, absolutely. Oh, soft skills, yeah, that's very important. I mean, for sure. So that's good, guys. Thank you for tackling such a tough topic. It's not going to be the last. Maybe it's the first. I have a feeling, Chris and I have a feeling, we're going to be doing a lot of these. Yes, yes, we will. <laughs> so stay tuned, guys. Hopefully. Buckle up. It's going to be a wild but exciting ride. And thank you, Dr. Al. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Monica. Thank and you, we'll guys. catch you guys all later on. Thank you, Dan.